Nancy Pelosi going to be the Speaker of the House. We're going to talk to Mike DeBonis, Washington Post congressional reporter. On that battle, the Republicans worked their deal out yesterday. Kevin McCarthy did not get much of a challenge. He is going to be the minority leader. As a halfwit. <laughs> it's a beautiful moment for halfwit I, Americans. I have recused myself from commenting on Kevin McCarthy because I have a personal beef with him. Yeah. That is not related to politics, there so I'm go. not sure I can be a fair arbiter. That's very adult of you. I'm impressed. Uh, we'll talk about uh, his deal. I, you know, listen, the fact that he got overwhelming support means he's got something on the ball. Oh, yeah. So and, we'll talk about and that. And he put out a challenge to the Democrats that we'll play a little bit later, yes. Is it just a single beef with that you have with them, or do you have multiple beefs? One beef. Yes, we did learn the plural <laughs> of beef is beefs. Look it up. <laughs> wow. But I only have one beef. UC San Diego's Scripps Institution of Oceanography and Princeton University walked back scientific findings that were published only last month. That showed up. That showed oceans have been heating up dramatically faster than previously thought. It got tremendous attention in the English-speaking world. Nick Lewis, a critic of the scientific consensus around human-induced warning, posted a critique of the paper. I'm summarizing what we already did last hour, if you're just tuning in. The findings of the paper were peer-reviewed and published in the world's premier scientific journal and were given wide coverage in the English-speaking media, writes Mr. Lewis. Despite this, a quick review of the first page of the paper was sufficient to raise doubts as to the accuracy of its results. Co-author Ralph Keeling, climate scientist at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, took full blame and thanked Lewis for alerting him to the mistake. Now, that is a grown-up attitude. Mr. Keeling, Dr. Keeling, whatever you are, uh, we we respect that very much. Well said. That's what Draymond Green should have done. He should have said, yeah, you're right, I should have passed the ball. Should have given it up. I was excited I lost my mind. Except that you're wrong. He should have kept them all. Quote, when we were confronted with his insight, it became immediately clear there was an issue there. We're grateful to have it pointed out so quickly so that we could correct it quickly. Keeling, at the oceanography joint, said they've since redone the calculations, finding the ocean is still likely warmer than estimated by the IPCC. That's the... uh, that's Well, anyway. However, the increase in heat has a larger range of probability than initially thought between 10 and 70% as other studies have already found. Our error margins are too big now to really weigh in on the precise amount of warming that's going on in the ocean. We really muffed the error margins. I've got a friend who's a retired scientist from a major university, and uh, he's he's really bothered by how the whole world of science is, is abandoning the idea of fact. And, of course, that was proved a couple, proven a couple of weeks ago when those people put out those bogus studies that got printed various places. Right, the, uh, the, right, the, uh, the, the big prank thing we talked about a lot. Just yeah. completely made-up crap with made-up numbers, and they got printed in supposedly respectful, respected journals. Gender issues and rape culture in Portland-area dog parks. And so the scientist stuff. friend of mine says he's really bothered by abandoning fact, and it should be like that one guy there. You're a scientist. All you're doing is measuring things and reading the numbers, and whatever they are is whatever they are. That's, that's like the key to being a scientist. Dispassionate Just, analysis. Yeah, you don't have a political agenda. You're not you're not really hoping it turns out this way. Well, I imagine if you're trying to cure cancer, you're hoping it turns out this way when you're testing a drug. But right. but you're not you're not you're not led that way by by all kinds of political pressures. It's not so much easier to get a grant if you fudge the numbers this way than if the numbers turn out to be this way. Which is unquestionably you're not the ridiculed case. by your colleagues. You're not um you know forced to sit alone at the, in the lunchroom right. if you came up with these numbers versus these numbers. That's right. not the way science should work. Yeah the. Adult part, the logical part of us has to be in charge of the emotional part of us. That is not 
the hip trend of the 21st century. Quite the contrary. You're considered oppressive and part of the patriarchy or a white supremacist or something if you insist on logic over emotion. That is an incredibly dangerous uh, philosophy. It, it fueled the French Revolution. It fueled Maoism. It fuels everything ugly. Yeah, and um, and it's counterproductive in that if you want, if you're worried about all the wildfires, for instance, because of global warming, well, then you want to know what's actually going on to what extent, so you could somehow combat it. People fudging numbers or getting them wrong is not going to help your cause either. No, no, it won't. But it, no, but that takes maturity. That takes being willing to uh, absorb disappointment and continue on to find the truth. Unless your main goal is you want to do away with cars, like uh, the governor of California. He hates cars. Sure. He hates cars. He hates people living in homes with yards. He hates suburbs. And, right. and, a, and a lot of those people hate people. But he loves choo-choo trains. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of that crowd doesn't like human beings. Mm-hmm. They think the planet would be so much happier and better if human beings didn't exist. So I any, agree with them there. So any science that shows that human beings are bad, they're very excited about. So, listen, I don't mean to take this too grim, but there's a big, big constituency of particularly college-age People of various ethnicities, colors, etc., who are big on this logic is a construct of the patriarchy and white supremacy. It's my truth that matters. My feelings. Which is, again, emotionalism triumphing over logic. Much of the 20th century in America was a bitter, bitter fight to make logic triumph over the sort of emotionalism that said... I'm not sure this young black man is guilty, but I sure feel like he is, and ended up with people hanging from trees. The 20th century was a fight to say, no, whoa, 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 no, no, no. Gotta be beyond a reasonable doubt in a fair trial with the facts weighed carefully and overseen by a a neutral and honorable judge. And people fought and fought and clawed for that. So that the anger of the mob was not the controlling force. Abandon that ye at your risk. Speaking of uh, waiting for the facts, I see that the big news shows, your Good Mornings America, your today's show, are leading with the Michael Avenatti story. He was arrested yesterday on domestic abuse charges. Fabulous gossip. Yeah, so we got to bring you the very latest on that and the details. The first 40 minutes of Tucker Carlson's show last night were just him laughing into the camera. <laughs> I made that up. Is Nancy Pelosi going to be the Speaker of the House? Well, it seemed like there's a period of time there where everybody just assumed, well, of course she's not. There's and a new, younger wave of something of different coming. And why is Kevin McCarthy the minority leader? <laughs> yeah, for the Republicans. So stay with us. We're going to get into that with the Washington Post reporter coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We know the Democrats have a plan. They want to disrupt. They want to try to impeach, and they want to stall what achievements we've been able to move forward. 
There's the leader of the House Republicans, Kevin McCarthy. They had a vote yesterday, and he's going to be the guy. And if they uh, take the House back someday, he'll be the Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy. I'll be damned. Mike DeBonis of the Washington Post is a congressional reporter covering the House of Representatives, among other things. Mike joins us now. Hello, Mike. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen, i got to start here. I believe that, intellectually speaking... Wow, here going we go. From, here we go. Joe's, well, Joe's bringing it. I made it clear this is my personal belief. Moving from Paul Ryan to Kevin McCarthy is quite a downgrade. <laughs> um, what is it that McCarthy brings that got him... What do you want our guests to give Kevin McCarthy an IQ test, or no, what do you want him to do? Let me finish. I'm so sorry for this, Mike. <laughs> what is it? What is it that Kevin McCarthy brings that got him swept into the office with very little resistance? Well, you have to understand the way that these House leadership uh, races work. It's not about... Um, you know, ideas. It's not about, uh, you know, ideology for the most part. What it's about is relationships. And mm. it's about who you know, who you've done favors for, who you've, uh, you know, developed a, a bond with. And nobody in the House uh, Republican conference is better at that than Kevin McCarthy. He's been, you know, in the last. Uh, you know, I guess you know he, he's been in the house for for more than a decade now. He, you know, you'd be hard pressed to pick someone who's traveled as widely, raises much money, uh, you know, basically done favors for for people. Keep in mind, he's controlled the house. He's been in charge of what gets on the house floor now for uh, you know more than four years. Uh, and you know that puts you in a position to do a lot of favors for people. For you, mm-hmm. you can get you can take people's bills and put them on the floor, get, give them something to go home and talk about, and talk to their constituents. It's things like that. It's an know, interesting standard by which you gain the uh, the office that's third in line to the presidency. But it it is what it is, and evidently he's quite good at it. And that that's interesting because um, and then we'll get into Nancy Pelosi with the you know. I guess some of the similar dynamics in effect. We knew Kevin McCarthy when he was a, a lowly California assemblyman, but he was clearly a walk into the room. Hey, how you doing? Literally backslapping people, you know, yep. big smile, talking to everybody. Yep. So I very conscious of the power dynamics in the room. Yeah. Um, uh, that's funny. I don't see Paul Ryan is ever doing that sort of thing yet. He was Speaker of the House. Well, he, you know, keep in mind the circumstances under which Paul Ryan became Speaker, which was that, you know, John Boehner had been forced out back in 2015, and uh, there was a real split inside the Republican caucus as to whether you'd go pick someone who is very more establishment-minded. You know, McCarthy at the time wanted the job, uh, but there was a group of conservatives who, who really did not want to give it to him, wanted, wanted somebody who was going to be much more... Um, attuned to what the what the conservative hardliners were interested in doing, um, and what ended up happening is that you know they kept McCarthy from becoming speaker at that time, and, and Paul Ryan was sort of the only consensus pick. So there are so there are multiple paths to becoming the speaker. One of them sure. is being the great glad hander power broker that Kevin McCarthy is. So where does that leave Nancy Pelosi? Who, if you'd asked me a couple of months ago, it seemed like the zeitgeist was the the old the old crew is out. And the new young blood uh, is in, and now everybody seems to be talking as if she's more or less a lock to be speaker. What happened? Well, I wouldn't go uh, that far. I, I, I think she's not a lock to be speaker. But um, w- listen, winning and winning big papers over a lot of issues, and uh, you know, it's it's very hard for folks to stand up right now and say, 
um, you know, Nancy Pelosi, after, you know, helping to, you know, design a strategy to get the, the majority back and then executing that strategy and being successful at it doesn't deserve to be uh, rewarded for that by getting her speaker's gavel back. But and this is, it's a big but and we're watching it play out here on the Hill. There are uh, a, a significant group of Democrats who don't buy that, who think that even though we won, it's, we still need change. She's been there too long, 16 years and counting, and uh, we want an alternative. And that could, this is going to get very hairy for her in the, in the next couple weeks, perhaps well, all the way into January. Well, how about the particular issues in that she has said, no, we're not going to pursue impeachment. She's about reforming Obamacare as opposed to calling for universal health care, which a lot of her crowd wants, both of those things. What you're watching right now is less about ideology and those particular policy issues. It's about internal power. It's about the dynamics inside uh, the, the Democratic caucus. It's about these new freshmen who are coming in who made promises on the campaign trail that they weren't going to support her and now are being pressured to go back on those promises. Uh, and, you know, that's what's at issue here. It's it's less about whatever ideological divides, very real ideological divides yeah. that are inside the Democratic caucus. It's not really on point at this moment. I would say that's the insight of the day, that the public conversation is very different than the one taking yeah. place in the cloakrooms. Huh. Yeah, Absolutely. Interesting. Mike DeBonis of the Washington Post covers Congress. Uh, uh, Mike, um, Nancy is uh, somebody I've been uh, rather uh, outwardly critical of. Uh, by rather, I mean completely for many years uh, on virtually every single level. But she is unquestionably very, very good at her job. Um, uh, what is her reputation as a politician in the Capitol as you look back at speakers of the House uh, through the last uh, you know, several years, uh, 20 years, say? I think you put your finger on it. I mean, she's she's obviously skilled. I mean, you you noted that there are significant ideological and policy divides within the Democratic caucus. You've got you're dealing with people from, you know, Jim Cooper in Tennessee, who's, you know, the last of the blue dog uh, Democrats, conservative Democrats, to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's going to be coming in talking about abolishing ICE and, uh, uh, you know, Medicare for all. And she is as good as anybody. Nobody is better within that Congress conference who's who stood up and, and been able to manage that kind of diversity. Um, that doesn't mean there isn't someone else out there who, who can do it, but she has done it for 16 years and counting. And uh, it's not and she's been pretty darn successful at it. And that's kind of the crux of her case for returning, which is now is not the time to put somebody in there who may not be as success is as, as good at this job as i am well as you were describing john boehner's woes with the tea party movement and the freedom caucus and all uh, i couldn't help but think hey nancy listen carefully to this uh because you're going to have a, a similar problem but she's w- well aware of that that's true i think you know th- there are some differences right now the, the group that's going up against her right now the, the, it's it, it is less about policy and ideology like it like it is for the freedom caucus it's more about um, you know, politics and power internally. Um, so it's not a, a perfect analogy, yeah. but you certainly hear the you know the progressive types like Ocasio Cortez saying that they want to have a greater role and they they want to use their leverage 
in a in a more aggressive way to get what they want, and that could be in the long run problematic. But say Nancy wins, at some point it becomes about ideology. Is she going to have a lot of people? And her uh, on her side, howling for investigations and universal health care, and how's she going to handle that? Oh, she already does. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, right now, um, in well, the I saw glow, a story the other day. I don't remember where it said over half of Democrats want Medicare for all. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Uh, I wouldn't uh, dispute that. I think it's probably pretty close to that. Um, Keep in mind, she she knows how to count votes. She knows where the the center of gravity in the caucus is, but she also knows how many votes you need to actually pass something on the floor. And let's say that you do have 232-ish Democrats. Um, That's only half of them are for Medicare for all. I mean, she's going to make a judgment pretty quickly that that's not going to be something she can get across the floor. She's just going to keep people's focus in other areas. A final question, Mike, if you don't mind. There's... You know, the the commentators and talking heads are yelling at each other, as always, but uh, one of the arguments is, will the Democrats attempt to do what's good for the American people, or will they be so reticent to, quote-unquote, hand Trump a victory that it will be very gridlocky, nothing-happening-y? Boy, that's that's sort of the the big question. I think it's more likely to be the latter than the former, but I think that there's oh, a couple great. areas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a couple areas where you could do, you know, you could see some things happening. I'm pretty, you know, everyone talks about infrastructure. I'm actually pretty dim on anything really happening there, just because I think there's some serious kind of ideological and policy things that that are pretty serious. Uh, that aren't going to be easy to get around. I mean, you, you do have the president talking, you know, this week about criminal justice reform. I think that's something that maybe you could see something happening. Drug prices, maybe. Every, I'm sorry, drug prices. Yeah. yeah, but again, that that everyone says that they want lower drug prices, but there's some really serious divides uh, between Republicans and Democrats, and in terms of how to do that. I mean, it's just you know, it's going to be very hard to. Uh, see where the, the common yeah. ground is going to be, and, and you know you get the pharma industry coming in lobbying, and that and that makes a difference. And we really oh, do they lobby a little bit? That's uh, that's smart on their part. Yeah, Mike DeBonis of the Washington Post covers Congress. Mike, a fabulous job. Really great to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time. Yep, my pleasure. Take well care. Done. Well done. And since we're talking about Medicare for all and going to a universal health care system, at some point we should get to the front page USA Today story today about the blatant disregard for veterans inspectors found at one of the biggest VA uh, uh, institutions in America. And perhaps as significantly, if you were to follow up on that story in six months, what will have changed? In this particular, and you can look forward to the same thing. In this particular instance, they knew the federal inspectors were coming, that they were under the gun because of all the stories we've been following for years now, the, the, the VA facilities. And still, when the inspectors got there, you had a bunch of people in charge who were sound asleep, literally sound asleep in the middle of the day, sleeping all day long as the inspectors walked in. Take him a nap. What does that say about the exactly. culture? Exactly. Exactly. More on that coming up. What's uh, in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we got the latest on the arrest of Michael Avenatti. PG&E stock drops in the back of the campfire and another black eye for Facebook. This was the song of the year last night at the Country Music Awards, and Chris Stapleton won vocalist of the year again, even though he almost never gets played on country radio, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got all those stories coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
couple of really interesting, uh, damned interesting breaking stories in a number of different fronts. It'll be fun to follow all morning long. Let's oh, get yeah. to them with Marsha Phillips. Well, Michael Avenatti is calling his arrest on domestic violence charges complete bogus. Yes, he- you heard right. Michael Avenatti. Believe the victim. Who was uh, helping out uh, Stormy Daniels. And then worse than that, I mean, that's one thing. Okay. That was pretty bad. Not it's an even, extortion scheme, honestly. Uh, not even close to the Kavanaugh thing, though, where he came forward last minute with that woman with the whole gang rape thing and wrote Sweat up that woman. Yeah. Wrote, wrote up that legal document and just that right. was just oh my god. Well, that, that caused the left to boot him. Yeah. Then he had no friends. Now he's been arrested. Police didn't immediately disclose details about Avenatti's arrest, but an LAPD spokesman said the victim has visible injuries. TMZ though citing law enforcement sources for their claim that the woman has filed a felony domestic violence report against the attorney. And according to the report, the woman was seen running out of the high-end apartment complex in Century City in Los Angeles on Wednesday. She was on the sidewalk with sunglasses covering her eyes and screaming, I can't believe you did this to me, into a cell phone. Now, it was originally reported it was his estranged wife in the midst of their divorce. Right. Now TMZ saying, whoops, no, it wasn't. No. None. Do we have any idea who the alleged victim was? No Was it Julie Swetnick? Well, the later details certainly seem to be it's not his estranged wife. Right. Who knows how that got started in the early hours of this story. But um, I'll tell you... He, he's he got two ex-wives. Both of them say he never did this sort of thing. I tend to think you're either this kind of person or you're not. And, I mean, going through a couple of divorces and you never act it. On the other hand, his whole world has come crashing down around him. He went from, I might run from president for President Rockstar to both sides politically hate you, think you're a weirdo and creepo, and then you've had a couple of judgments come against you in which you're going to end up broke. Right. Broke with no power or friends. Right. Which could send you to dark places. He also may have become a rock star as a single guy and started dating some hot crazy chicks who are willing to do crazy things to get some of your money. Famous rich guy, yeah. All these are possibilities. Yes. Yeah, and and oddly enough, in spite of my rather harsh judgments of Mr. Avenatti, which I stand by completely, uh, yeah, you have to have a standard of innocent until proven guilty and or at least... Not the assumption of guilt. But at, at, just just the bare minimum, yeah. since I'm willing to wait, Mr. Avenatti, is, uh, so you're saying we shouldn't believe the woman in this case. You're saying she's got a story. You're saying it's completely bogus. So you're saying we shouldn't believe the woman. Or shouldn't automatically so believe the woman. So sometimes the woman is not telling the truth. How that interesting. Okay. Now, the uh, TMZ report goes on to say that the security reportedly ushered her back into that apartment complex, after which Avenatti appeared and chased her while allegedly claiming she hit me first and adding, this is BS, this is effing BS. That's according to the report. It could be. Him getting mixed up as as a now famous person with a crazy person who comes after him like this is just or, seems or very possible. A crazier a calculating person. Yeah. 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 It yeah. is on the the, the the game board of possibilities right. here. Absolutely. Just going to concede that, of course. Or he could be a woman beating piece of scum. Could be. Turns out the campfire, the campfire now in Northern California is continuing to wreak havoc as more than 10,000 buildings have been destroyed. The death toll now at 56, and at this time, 130 people are still missing. 
A week later. Yeah. And on Wednesday, invest- a week later, you haven't contacted all the people, and right. then somebody in your extended family's gotten you off the list or whatever. I just, I'm just got a bad feeling. Yeah. 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 And on Wednesday, investigators wrapped up their evidence gathering at the fire's ignition point, where PG&E has said a power outage there preceded the first report of the campfire by about 15 minutes. The DA's office not commenting yet on what evidence they found at the site, but PG&E's shares fell another 22% on Wednesday to bring their week-to-date losses to almost 40%. Wow. Well, appropriately. This after the utility said its insurance may not cover the possible losses from the worst wildfire in California history. So it's the deadliest fire now by a lot. Yes. And the previous fire was in the 30s or something like that? Yeah. I mean, you just, I have these assumptions that those kind of things can't happen in the modern world. Right. For Structures a variety are of well built. Communications. Roads, cars, right. Yeah. And, uh, and it did. Here's a question for uh, my fellow suckers who pay the major utilities of California every single month. Uh, how much of your money is being used by those utilities to lobby for things that are good for them, but not for you? I have those numbers for you coming up. All mm. right. A new blockbuster report says Facebook security experts knew about Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential campaign well before the November election. The New York Times... I will have my team look into that and get back to you, Senator. New York Times report notes that Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was publicly calling it a crazy idea in the fall of 2016. The report says Facebook gathered evidence of Russian activity for more than a year before company execs shared the information with the public. So the headline in the New York Times in this story just broke. Delay, deny, and deflect how Facebook's leaders fought through a crisis. Zuckerberg has the face of an innocent child. Um, so it's easy to, 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 for me anyway, to not understand what he is. You got to picture his brain in, in, a, in a different body. <laughs> because he is a calculating, cal- me first... Evil genius. Evil genius who will yeah. do anything. Speaking of his look, Sean, what was the description you heard of him? He looks like the guy in a zombie movie who gets bit, but nobody else knows about it, and he's desperate to not let anyone else find out. <laughs> he's trying to act <laughs> like a normal human being. Yeah, or if you preferred pod people movies. <laughs> Meanwhile, for its uh, for its uh, point, Facebook is denying some of the claims in the New York Times story. I will never believe anything Facebook tells me. Why would I? No. Why would I? Uh, if Facebook tells me something, I will disbelieve it. I will Google it and disbelieve that <laughs> result, too. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. To me, the question is, will our government hold Facebook accountable for any of the things they do? Or is Facebook and Google, have they done such a good job of lobbying? that uh, A.K.A. writing checks. So that Mark Zuckerberg can say, I don't know. I'll get back to that. Get back to you on that, Senator. How do you not know you run the company? Senator, I'll have my team look into that and get right back to you. (laughs) And he got away with that. Crap. Why did they let him get away with that? Crap. That's the question. We'll be following this story. It's uh, just just broken. Did you hear about this this story with the, the sweet, kind couple that took in a bum? And they started a Go Start Me page. They raised a ton of money to help out this bum. But then the bum sued them. No, I don't know the bum story. Oh, man. Well, there's been yet another twist.
Uh, this VA story is amazing. They're going to execute a bunch of Khashoggi's killers. Oh, boy. Wow. Lots of stuff to cover today. Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of, nation. Of the nation. Weighthood. There's something new between childhood and adulthood called weighthood. Every time I get on the scale, I put on my weighthood so I can't see the number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll hit you with that coming up. It's, a, it's actually not just a USA thing. It's a global phenomenon, or at least a Western civilization phenomenon. Well, listen, I'll keep this super short. So you had this, uh, this uh, big story. You know, the people who, who get into this sort of thing got into this thing where uh, a couple adopted a homeless guy and let him live on their property. And he was a good guy. He was just down on his luck. They started a GoFundMe page, got tons and tons of money. Uh, then uh, the the bum ends up suing the couple, saying they ripped him off. They didn't give him the money. They're not helping him. They're not helping him get a house. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember. I remember get hearing on about his this. Feet, right? Yeah, the bum sued them. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, now it turns out the bum was on it all along. And uh, the only reason I bring this up, I don't, I'm not trying to make you more cynical How about the world or anything like that. How is he in on it? Uh, they got together and said, hey, let's uh, hatch this plot where, you know, you'll be a sympathetic figure and we'll help you out and blah, blah, blah. But then, but, but was he a sympathetic figure? No. Uh, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, if he's a bum and you get together and say, how about we start a GoFundMe page and split the money, who's who's done something wrong there? Is somebody, has anybody done anything wrong there? Well, yes, you're exploiting people's kindness and sympathies for a, uh, just an open scam to get well, money. is he a bum or not? I guess that's the Yes! Thing. Well, if he's a bum, then how are you exploiting people's sympathy? <laughs> because you... I don't know precisely, but the point... I wouldn't give money, so you're not exploiting my sympathy. Well, it seemed to be a beautiful story of a kind and generous couple giving up their privacy and everything to help a man get back on his feet. And no, it's just three scumbags getting together to say, "Hey, people tend to give a cough up a lot of money if you can tug at their heartstrings." Let's let's start a GoFundMe page. There is something weird about this GoFundMe f- phenomenon. Speaking speaking of Michael Avenatti in the news today, where where all kinds of people, somebody just starts a GoFundMe page on their behalf, and all of a sudden they have two hundred thousand dollars. <throat> what is this? Need people have to uh, to throw money at GoFundMe things? I think it has. Some of them are great, obviously. Uh, yeah, I think it has to do with our our desperate need for connectedness in a disconnected time. It could be, and we want to reach out and give somebody a hug, and we have no real relationships anymore, just Facebook well, friends. Aren't you bringing the sad today? Well, that's what I do. Uh, so anyway, a New York couple, New Joe's Jersey, bringing the sad. New Jersey couple, homeless Philadelphia man allegedly conspired with each other to come up with a false story. Um, and, and so it was all fraud to begin with. Just everything was a lie about the whole thing. He was actually a a homeless guy, I guess. Um, but yeah, everything else was a lie. Created the story entirely. Uh, They went on shopping sprees, uh, Louis Vuitton bag, Chanel sunglasses, iPhones. I saw a guy yesterday, cardboard sign, looked to be about my age, Vietnam vet, please help. Well, he was very, very young when he served. Very young. 
I don't know if you studied the history of the time. Yes, we were conscripting seven-year-olds at that time in our nation's history. Joe, it's a phenomenon that's being felt across the globe from Brooklyn to Paris, from Rwanda to Japan. It's called weighthood, and it might be leading to a fundamental change in the way we think about love and partnership. I have witnessed this uh, in my own chillins. It's the umbrella term that can relate to delaying other decisions, such as moving out of one's uh, parents' house or taking on other trappings of adulthood, like homeownership or or the serious career, or obviously getting married and having kids, or even being in a relationship. Uh, one of the global trends that's really seen throughout many uh, places in the world is the delay in marriage, especially among more educated classes of people, and especially for women. The trend has shown up in papers that have been written about their own countries in Jordan, China, obviously the United States, Rwanda, Guatemala. The list goes on and on. There are countries all around the world where they've looked at this and thought, hmm, things have changed. Why? The universality of this is mind-blowing. It really is. Um, The term was, weighthood was coined in 2008 after studying young people in the Middle East. Um, it relates to both genders. Its roots are economic, says this person. I don't know that I believe that. Well, I think that's probably an ingredient in the stew. I don't. I just don't buy that. I don't, I, we're, we're, we've got more. We've got more stuff than we've ever had in our lives. In that's the history of human beings. But that's what they mean. A woman does not need to marry a man to to be able to eat no, or the, have a roof. Their argument is because times are tough. What? And people are putting off having kids. Harder to buy a house. Rent oh, so well, high. That, yeah, yeah that housing sort of costs stuff. are high. Yeah. And the I don't know, though. Student debt needs to be factored into this, too. The, the, the generation of 20-somethings and early 30-somethings that should have been fitting this time frame have more debt than any generation has in that age bracket before. True debt, thanks to the giant... American college scam, although that does not uh, explain Rwanda. No. Hmm. Yeah, I, well, I don't. I can't pretend to have any idea what culture is like in Rwanda, so I won't comment on that. Why are people putting off marriage? Why is the age of marriage rising around the world? And why are there delays in childbearing? Different reasons Maybe in different people places. People don't know how anymore. <laughs> different reasons in different places, or is it a, just a global trend of all the same thing? Women seem to be rising educationally around the world, often outstripping the achievements of their male peers. I don't know. I think there's something going on in 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 our beast, in the beast, that is taking away our desire to get together and have kids. Yes. I don't think it's that much of a conscious decision of, of getting together and having kids. It's either really in you. Look at animals, the way they behave. It's the only thing they want to do. It used to be that way for human beings. Observe me for a while. You'll see the same thing. And it's just not anymore. Yes. I, I think like most things, it's probably several things. It could be that were it only you know the economic stuff, uh, we wouldn't see much of a change. But you combine that with... You know, just the the nature of, of, of modern societies, the disconnectedness, the hormones and all the water, the God knows, all the chemicals everywhere. The only chemicals we used to take in were the stuff that the earth belched forth for 99.8% of human existence. Then we started, you know, building a lot of fires in urban centers, um, you know, maybe a thousand years ago. And we started breathing in, you know, crap. Now... We are surrounded by man-made chemistry. 
And what that's doing to us, we will probably not understand for a very long time, if ever. Um, well, there won't be anybody here to study it because nobody's going to have any children and the, the species will cease to exist. You know what I find myself? Well, that may be. I find myself wondering about the genitalia of frogs. <laughs> Hormones in the water. I just said frogs there. with their, their privates. Have there been any developments worth looking into? In that Two-thirds of the frogs down in Houston are bisexual. There you go. That's It's bisexual. It's not... Hermaphroditic. What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. Okay. The demographic problem in a lot of countries, Japan, a lot of Europe, Japan, and the United States are going to be huge. They're already huge. It's just easy to ignore them now. Russia and China, too, mon frere. Sure. They have huge demographic challenges. Russia is dying. Nobody talks about that with old evil Vlad Putin and messing with our elections. And collusion! Collusion! Nobody talks that Russia is is dying. Nobody has kids there. I want to do this VA story coming up. It's uh, well, it's maddening. I don't know. What do we bring? What do I? What I say? We're bringing bring the, the sad. Bringing the sad during this holiday season. How much of your utility bill goes toward lobbying politicians to do stuff you're gonna hate? It's an interesting uh, look slash uh, table. Of contributions, the 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 amount of money is astonishing, and they're not lobbying for puppies and bluebirds. <laughs> Scientists say beards are hotter than clean shaven, among other things. Coming up on oh, the clearly. Armstrong and Getty Show.